Well, good evening. And uh, actually, before I start, I'd just like to respond to that amazing word that Meg brought us, because I think, and, and Philippa too, because that was a beautiful two-part word. And I think, I think it, it's just so appropriate to what we're looking at tonight in that God tastes different to everybody. He tastes different to all of us. Just like every single one of those honeys will taste different. God tastes different to each one of us. And that's because he knows us so well. He won't treat any two of us the same. He's such a personal God. So when we come before him, it'll be different from, for all of us in the way that he deals with us. But there should never be any fear because he is good. He is good. So the reading tonight is Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27. It's in the Pew Bibles on page 822. It's a very short reading, but it's page 822 if you'd like to follow it. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's a beautiful reading. It's a wonderful short passage, but it is a difficult book, Ezekiel, and this is not necessarily typical of the book of Ezekiel. Some of you will know this book very well. Some of you won't know it at all. I know it quite well now because I've been chewing it over for quite some time. This, this has been following me around, and it is a really tough book. Um, and although this is not a sermon about Ezekiel, that could be a whole sermon series on its own, but it is really important, I think, to put these verses into context to find some historical context biblically for, for what, where these words are coming from and what they're emerging from. Um, the first half of Ezekiel is a really tough book. It's relentlessly, hope-crushingly difficult because it speaks of the corruption and the idolatry um, that God's people have fallen into and the judgment that, that must come if they don't turn back to him. And he sent an awful lot of prophets to try and warn them. I mean, the list is, you know, is long. Amos, Hosea, Habakkuk, Isaiah, Micah, and Jeremiah. He sent all of these prophets to warn his people of the coming judgment if they did not change their ways, and they ignored the prophets. And God is a holy God. God is a holy God, and he tied his name to his covenant people. But they turned their faces from him, and so judgment, judgment came. Um, by the time Ezekiel was speaking into, into uh, the situation of, of the Jewish people, he was already in exile, um, along with the cream of Jewish society. Do you know, I, I've been chewing this over all week, and I decided halfway through the week to just set my notes aside and see what God was going to do. <laughs> and it's been really difficult to do that. And I don't know whether I'm going to be speaking for five minutes or 25 minutes, so you'll just have to wing your way along with me, and I'm going to just see what God's going to do with this. 
What I took from, from the book of Ezekiel was that we should never forget that God is a holy God. And the God that spoke to his people then is the same God that's speaking to us now. And he's still a holy and righteous God. And sometimes I worry that we talk a lot about the gifts of the Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's all true and that's all wonderful, but we must never forget that we have a holy and righteous God. So that's what I took from from the book of Ezekiel. Um, At its center is the unfolding of God's saving purposes for the history of the world proclaimed and fulfilled through the coming of Christ. And, I, you know, I could talk about the Valley of the Dry Bones. I could talk about the picture of the river flowing out of the temple. But there isn't time tonight. But those are all pictures of the coming kingdom. So we can hold those for later. We get halfway through Isaiah and judgment has come and Jerusalem has been completely destroyed. The temple has been destroyed. The city of David and the temple have gone and it's a desolate picture and yet, and yet at that point these wonderful verses that, uh, that I've read to us tonight God spoke them over his people they're verses of restoration they're verses of homecoming I will sprinkle clean water on you that's a picture of John's baptism it's what Mark spoke about last week. He talked about John's baptism of repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And that's new covenant language. That speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's what we've been studying for the last seven weeks. And we've had some cracking talks about it. We've had some cracking talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We've had some very challenging talks as well. And we shouldn't neglect the last line of this reading. We shouldn't neglect, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Because the holy and righteous God that we see in Ezekiel is the same God who's been speaking to us through all of these passages that we've been studying in the New Testament. The temple has been destroyed And that's been heartbreakingly described in Ezekiel. But as both Paddy and Ruth pointed out in their talks to us, that means that we are now the temples of the Holy Spirit. That's an extraordinary thing. We we bandy that phrase around, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. That is an extraordinary thing to say about ourselves. And God wants to give us new hearts. What does that mean? What does it look like? I once heard a story about a sermon that um, a very experienced preacher gave and he stood up and he just started speaking the attributes of God one after another. He just stood up and he said, God is powerful. God is omnipotent. God is slow to anger and rich in love. God is the Alpha and the Omega. God is just and true. God is merciful. And he went, he went on in that vein for, for about 40 minutes. And at the end, he stopped and he said, and if this God lives in you, then shouldn't other people have noticed it? Which is, I guess it's quite funny, but it's actually incredibly challenging. Because that's what we're saying when we say that we are temples of the Holy Spirit and that God dwells in us. 
When I became very unexpectedly and miraculously came to faith many, many years ago, one of the scriptures that I clung to in those first weeks and months were that that wonderful scripture from 2 Corinthians 21 and 22. Now it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He set his seal of ownership on us and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I love that scripture. I love every word of that scripture. That is the perfect Trinitarian scripture for me. I loved the fact that he'd set his seal of ownership. He'd put his mark on me and he'd put his spirit in my heart. I, I just, I just clung to that. But I didn't want that. I didn't want that deposit in my heart to just stay as a tiny little deposit. I wanted that deposit in my heart to grow. I didn't want to be that steward who, who decided to take, take the money that his master had left him and bury it and keep it safe and then dig it up when his master came back. If I remember that story correctly, the master wasn't too happy with that particular steward and he came to a, quite a sticky end. So I, you know, I was thinking, I don't want that deposit to just, just remain tiny in my heart. So how can we make that deposit grow? How can we move on from that place of, Thank you, Lord, I'm saved. Thank you that I, my future is assured. Thank you that, uh, that you love me and I love you. Thank, how, how can we move on from that to the next step? And, you know, I love that honey story because it's such a gentle one. And God is, it sounds a bit sentimental, but God is a perfect gentleman. He will not force himself on us. And he will not put us in a place that's uncomfortable. He will not ask us to do things that's contrary to our character because he made us. He made me the way I am. He made you the way you are. He created us all differently, and he tastes different to all of us. And yet, he's asking. He's asking us to move on to the next step. But without fear. There should be no fear. I've heard, you know, when, when, when we're going through a phase like this, when we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and we're asking him to move us on, sometimes people can be fearful. Sometimes people can be anxious, but there, there shouldn't be any fear when we're asking Almighty God to move in our hearts. What could there to be fearful about? I mean, God is love. He is pure love. He could not mean us any harm, so there's nothing to be frightened of. If we come, and as well, I think if we come in a spirit of worship and repentance... And praise, that's a wonderful way to come before God. That worship tonight was so beautiful. It brought, brought us into the presence of God. And it brought us with open arms and open hearts. That's an amazing way to come before God. And then he can move. When I was preparing this, I, I kind of got fed up with my own thoughts and my own words. And I just thought, oh, just pray about it, Rachel. Because it's, it's got to be the best ways to ask God to give me the words for tonight. And in fact, he very graciously did. He, he gave me a dream. He reminded me of a picture. And in fact, last week when Mark was preaching, I had a, a powerful picture, which I'm going to... I've left it a week, but I'm going to give that tonight. So the first... The first uh, answer to prayer was I woke up with a dream, which I do. If I, if I really, really want to hear from God, I'll go to bed at night and say, Lord, would you give me a dream tonight? Would you speak to me in a dream? And he often does. And I woke up with this dream. And God said to me, I'm giving you the key to the kingdom. 
And I knew that that was in relation to this sermon when he said, I am giving you the key to the kingdom. And he, it wasn't, he wasn't talking to me. This was a word for all of us. And the key to the kingdom is the Holy Spirit. The key to unlocking the kingdom of God and seeing it coming in power in this community is the Holy Spirit. It's, the Holy Spirit is, is the engine, the power, the fragrance of Christ in us the weapons of warfare, the gifts that we need to go out to a world that is dying to hear about him. So the Holy Spirit is the key, and God is offering us the key to unlock his kingdom in this community, in this time, for now. And we should take it. At home group last week, we were talking, we're studying the Holy Spirit at home group, and Kathleen Paley reminded me of a picture which I've, I've heard about before, but I just think it's a really useful one. And it's of, it, it, of us, each one of us being like a jar full of pebbles and water being poured into the jar. But the jar can't be filled to full capacity because the pebbles, the stones, if you like, are just taking up too much room in that jar. But as you take the stones out, there's more room for the water. And that's a picture, I think, of sometimes there are things that block the moving of the Holy Spirit in us. And this isn't meant to sound condemnatory in any way, because I'm talking to myself here, because, um, you know, I, I can be rebellious and obstructive like anybody else. But I just think that's a really good picture. If God wants to fill us up with his Holy Spirit, so if you picture that jar being filled with the Holy Spirit, as we take out the pebbles that are clogging up that jar, then it can be filled to the fullest measure, to the full capacity of what God wants to give us. What might those pebbles be? I don't know. It's going to be different for all of us. For some, it might be anxiety. It might be fear. It might be sin. You know, let's tell it like it is. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're sinners. We're all sinners. And, and there are, there's none of us here who are perfect. There's none of us here who haven't dealt with everything. So there may be things. There may be unforgiveness. I don't know, but that's between you and God. It might be pride. And that, I'm speaking to myself here because at a time of prayer here a few weeks ago on a Tuesday night, which you are cordially invited to everybody as well, I'd love it if more of you would join us to pray on a Tuesday. Um, I was crying out to God. I said, Lord, why do I feel like I'm running on empty? And the answer came straight back. Rachel, there are so many opportunities for you to be filled, but you don't ask. And that I just thought, thank you, Lord. Thank you for such a, such a quick answer to prayer. That's pride. I mean, when I, was, when I became a Christian, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I just had an amazing encounter with God. And that isn't pride talking now. That was the graciousness of God turning me around from the place that I was in and bringing me back to him and of a God who ran out to meet me. Um, and I think he knew, what, he knew what I needed because he specifically, he was the honey that I needed to taste at that time. So I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I saw amazing things. I saw people delivered. I saw people healed. I just had an amazing encounter with God. And as the years go by, disappointment can creep in, can't it? 
Disappointment comes. Prayers don't get answered. People don't get healed that you've been praying for. And that's a, that can be a hard slog. And that's the time when God needs us to dig in, really dig in, and keep walking with him. And that, that is the fellowship of joining in with the suffering of Christ because he didn't say it was always going to be easy. So I maybe forgot to, to keep going to God and saying, thank you, Lord, that you're so good. <laughs> and I stopped asking him to fill me. But it is a daily thing that we need to do, a daily thing we need to ask God to fill us. The final picture, which I... I had when Mark was preaching last week. And in fact, it wasn't during the preaching. It was at the end when, when he was praying for us to be filled. And there was, there felt like, it felt like a hard place to me. Maybe that was just me, but I felt it was quite hard, uh, that there was maybe people just resisting or not. I don't know. I don't know. But the picture I had was, you know, when you, um, I'm a glass maker and, and I went to art school. And I knew a lot of potters. And I know that when you take a lump of clay out of the store cupboard, it's, it's hard and it's cold and it's misshapen and it's, it, you can't work it. But as you start to handle it and, and, and you work it, it starts to soften and it starts to become malleable in your hands and it warms up and then you can make something incredibly beautiful with it. And God is the master potter. And he can make amazing forms and shapes with us if we let him. And the word that came to me was, God has warm hands. He has warm hands. So if we give him our hearts, he will make our hearts malleable and he will make something beautiful of them. But we have to let him. So why would we want God to give us new hearts and to fill us with his spirit. Why are we here? Why are we church? Why do we come here week by week? To, you know, I mean, it's lovely. It's lovely to be together and in community. It's lovely to worship. It's lovely to, and this is a fantastically supportive and loving community. But there are two reasons we're here. We're here to know God and to make him known. So, you know, tonight is about knowing God. Um, every, every week I, I come here and I hope God's going to change me and we listen to the word and we come to him in worship and I pray that we'll be changed. We're here to know God and he loves that because he created us for fellowship. He created us to come and be in his presence because he loves us. This is the same God who redeemed his people. This is the same God of Ezekiel who allowed the destruction of Jerusalem. He allowed the temple where his presence dwelt, he allowed it to be destroyed. But the same God who then redeemed his people and brought them back into fellowship. Why Why do we want him to give us a new heart? And it's to make him known, to make him known to the people out there. Because as much as he loves us, he loves everybody out there just as much. And this is not an exclusive club. So I think the thing I would love to say tonight is let's ask him to change us so we can pray for revival. Let's, let's pray for revival. We sing about it. We ask him to send it. 
but are we ready to get down on our knees and pray for it? If we don't have our hearts broken, we won't have the desire to do that. If we don't let him... I mean, it's wonderful that we prayed about that tonight. God, break our hearts to the things that break yours. I had a broken heart when I became a new Christian. I was, I was broken-hearted for the lost. I was in tears and I was praying. I was just, and I was, it was just an extraordinary time. But again, the danger is, you know, I've got a picture hanging in my hallway of that amazing painting by Rembrandt, Return of the Prodigal. Somebody actually brought it back to me from the Hermitage. It's hanging at the bottom of my stairs and I love it. Because that's my story, because I'm a prodigal and God ran out to meet me. But on the corner, in the shadows, is the older brother looking on. And I, I have to pray and I have to watch myself sometimes to make sure that I don't become that older brother. Been, in the, been here, been there, been around the block so many times that I miss what God's doing over there, what, when God's doing a new thing. And this, surely this community, we're here to know God, but we're, we're here to make him known. So let's pray for revival. Let's ask him to break our hearts. And please come and pray, people. You know, the characteristic of a broken and loving church is that we will pray for the lost. We meet here every Tuesday, first thing in the morning, and 7.45 at night to pray. And the same faithful people come every week, but come and join us. Come and join us. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I think I'm just going to end in prayer because I think I've said enough. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love and that you've drawn us with loving kindness. Thank you that you're holy and you call us to be holy as well. Thank you that you see each one of us and who we are. You know who we are because you created us and you know what we need and you know who we can be and thank you that you are more than able to bring to completion the works that you've begun in us. And so, Father, if if we've got pebbles in the jar that need to come out, would you just reveal them to us so that we can come to you and deal with it together? Father God, if our hearts are a bit tough and cold, would you help us to allow you and your warm hands to just soften our hearts? Thank you, Father, that you offer us the key to your kingdom coming in this place. Father, we just say, come. Come and fill us. Come and do in us the works that you want to do and change us, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.